Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Proudly brought to you by Cheese Links, bringing cheese and yogurt making to your kitchen. Cheeselinks.com.au permission to carry on like a pork chop. Uh, and well, that's going to happen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Food Bites with an out-of-control Sarah Patterson and Kevin uh-huh. Hillier. I am, admittedly, because the guest on this week's Giggling, podcast... gooey-eyed schoolgirl. Yes. Oh, teenage hormones had a lot to answer for in the 80s. The guest we have today was just a oh, childhood idol for me. Lynn Pascoe. Yes. Now, everyone would have, if I'd have said Len Pascoe at the start of the show before that, you would have thought, oh, Kev's. Kev, you know, with Kev, Kev loved cricket, played cricket, mm. thought him thought he was a bit of a fast bowler himself. Would, would uh, Unfortunately for Lenny, he came along when Lily and Thompson mm. were there and he was, he was uh, you know, put, put third behind them. But he was a very, very good fast bowler. Well, he was also a big spunk. He was a Sorry, very, Len, I hope you don't very mind me saying that. good fast bowler. Um, <laughs> he really was. I'm not saying Len Pascoe was a spunk. Are you serious? Oh, we all agree. I'll bump into him somewhere at some function and there you go, yeah, are you still think I'm a spunk, mate? Um, no, he's a good fella and we're, we're very pleased yeah, to have him on the chat. program. Uh, with the Ashes, you know, all, all finished now and all that, mm. uh, he played 14 tests for Australia, played just on 31-day internationals mm. and, of course, played in World Series cricket, which has never been recorded in terms of uh, adding to the, the stats uh, that players have for their tests. But they were playing against the best of the best of the best. And we touch on some oh. incredible memories uh, in the podcast with Len. Yep. You'll enjoy the chat. It's coming up shortly. I enjoyed it. Now, che- oh, he was a very, very good fast bowler. <laughs> Cheeselinks.com.au is a very, very good website to go to if you want to make cheese and find out how you do it and uh, get some tips from uh, Janet and the team at Cheeselinks. They'll help you out. All the social media platforms. Yep. Or the old Odie Cologne. You can use that too. <laughs> bring, bring. Five- <laughs> no. <laughs> No sound effects. 52821984. That's the old phone number if you want to use that one, but jump on cheeselinks.com.au. And we'll uh, also get stuck into our Friday food oh, poll. Yes. Uh, which is a beauty, actually. It's nice and sweet. Yes, it is. That's coming up after something else that's very sweet. <laughs> Len Pascoe, a very good fast bowler. <laughs> you are listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier, brought to you by Cheese Links, bringing cheese and yogurt making to your kitchen. Cheeselinks.com.au. Leonard Pascoe, Lenny might have uh, been having a few words with him. You've got to be a very good bowler to have a few words with a batsman as good as uh, Vivian Richards. Is the kitchen a happy place for Len Pascoe? <laughs> well, the older I've got, the more I find myself in the kitchen because my uh, wife seems to be uh, cooking less uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, leaving it up to my devices. Uh, unfortunately, I've got to eat my own cooking. <laughs> is it something you enjoy, Len, or just is it a bit of a chore? Look, no, no, look, uh, I, I do my best, but I don't have a talent for it like uh, Maddie Hayden or uh, Simon Caddick. You're not going to see me on MasterChef or anything, <laughs> uh, but I do know how to boil an egg. Uh, my, uh, my, my, I cook for my kids sometimes when the missus is away watching tennis or something. And uh, I said, what are you cooking, Dad? I said, I'm cooking my speciality. And my speciality means that it's a fry pan full of 
peas, beans, carrots, uh, bits of sausage, uh, anything at all, stir it up and put some Worcester sea sauce in it. And uh, <laughs> that, that's my speciality. But I've got some favourites. I like um, I like to uh, cook uh, feta cheese in a fry pan with a little bit of butter and olive oil and uh, then uh, sort of scramble, roughly scramble an egg uh, in that. Maybe sometimes put a little bit of cabanossi in it mm. uh, just for a bit of taste. Uh, uh, the, the feta cheese, uh, I, it goes back to my mum. She used to use it a lot in cooking. Um, there was a, a European Macedonian dish called Zelnik, mm. and what it was was uh, pizza dough uh, that they do, or bread dough, and they do it like a uh, like a snake format, and they roll it up like a snake, and inside it, it's full of uh, uh, feta cheese, or it might be pumpkin, apple, or whatever, and they sprinkle a little bit on the top, and then they bake it, and it's really crispy, and uh, sort of I grew up with that little bit, and I noticed uh, uh, Woolworths, uh, are starting to sell it, I believe. Um, little holes, one of those, and but they've got another name for it, and they put spinach in it as well. Mm. Um, but that's uh, a long time ago. My mum's passed away, and nobody's got the skill to cook it anymore. Oh, Len, it sounds almost exotic the way that you uh, describe it. Now, you are right about one thing: Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce uh, improves any yep. <laughs> any dish. But you, <laughs> as you've mentioned, your, your background is is Macedonian. So, so growing up, obviously, you had some um, some pretty nice tucker on the table. Yeah, my mum, my mum, it's an interesting history because my mum lived in a uh, village called Mala Vista. Uh, it was uh, in a town called Bitola and it backed on uh, to a national park and they lived very much a subsistence uh, lifestyle. Uh, it's uh, high up in the Alps and uh, my mum used to walk about, uh, oh, somewhere 20 kilometres and they'd have a mule loaded up with wood to sell in the town, and then they'd buy their provisions and then come back. So uh, the, the whiskey they had was plum whiskey, which is from their plum trees. Uh, the, the pig was a garbage disposal, and then eventually it got devoured. Uh, you know, they had their sheep, and so uh, I remember I was 11 years of age going back there on a holiday, and um, seeing how they lived. There was no electricity or anything like that. But uh, I could still smell uh, the open fire as they were cooking um, their homemade sausages uh, with all the spices. Uh, and then later on, they sit down and uh, get this little, uh, like a little kettle thing, and uh, they put uh, slivervitz, which is the plum brandy, uh, in there with uh, sugar, and that was like a liqueur. And they sit there and talk about stories of going hunting for rabbits and a and maybe a, a pig that's got loose, that sort of thing, high up in the Alps. And that's what I remember as 11, 12-year-old, the, the smell of the food, uh, that uh, dim light, candlelight, uh, the snow falling, that sort of thing. So, you know, your food, so these days when I go into a delicatessen, my taste buds are uh, sort of sparked by, uh, you know, what I experienced uh, when I was a young fella. Oh, right. Wow. Hey, Len, you and Jeff Thompson and uh, Dennis Lilly, uh, the, you know, the, I guess the rat pack of uh, fast bowlers of the <laughs> 70s, you, 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 were, you were like rock stars. Did you, did, you, did you eat and drink like rock stars too? <laughs> <laughs> I've got to tell you, you go to school, you, you know, I go to Punchbowl Boys High School and um, it was a selective high school, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah. All, all the rat bags like that. 
And uh, anyway, uh, uh, we sit down at lunch. And uh, my mother, uh, she would have homemade bread, some olives, some feta cheese done with a bit of paprika. And, and, and the Aussie kids back then, you know, uh, would have the uh, meat pie floater in a, in a roll. Yeah. And I wanted, I really wanted a meat pie in a roll. So I opened up my lunch and there was this, you know, homemade bread, feta cheese, and so on. But uh, the interesting thing is that that a homemade roll is still about uh, five bucks. Oh, sorry, the uh, sausage with the beef pie is still only about five bucks. But my mother's meal is now about 25 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> they're all saying you've got to have this continental breakfast. But I remember sitting up there in class uh, and uh, dreaming of lunch and then trying to hide in the corner so maybe you'll see, uh, you know, my lunch. But uh, there was advantages. Nobody wanted any of it. So <laughs> I, I ate bloody lot. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wanted to swap you. <laughs> <laughs> no. But the, I would have swapped with them. I mean, all I wanted was a pie floater. Yeah. Oh, when you look at um, sport, elite sport these days, Len, and, you know, you have nutritionists, fitness coaches. I mean, did nutrition or, or a good diet, was there anything uh, like that uh, back in your day of, of elite cricket? Uh, no, <laughs> no. Um, you know, I grew up uh, basically on a continental diet, uh, which is a lot of the nutritionists are saying uh, is the way to go. But there was also a lot of carbohydrates in it. I never, never understood the uh, uh, the relevance between carbohydrates and proteins. And uh, when we played at the elite level, uh, we got very little uh, advice in relation to nutrition. We didn't have a nutritionist or anything, and quite frankly, uh, you sort of avoided having a steak because it would be heavy on your stomach. Mm. So you wanted something light because you're out in the middle and you're, you're bowling. So when you come in at lunch, uh, you tended to grab uh, a bit of a sugar hit, might be ice cream or something like that, or you might just pick a little bit of fruit. But if you were batting and you, you just finished bowling, you might eat something more substantial. But around the grounds, uh, it's like Sydney Creek ground, they had a steak which you could use for the sole of your shoe. <laughs> <laughs> You'd go to uh, Queensland and it was a banquet with beautiful seafood and barramundi. And mm. You go to uh, Adelaide and it was the, uh, uh, the the whiting, the big King George whiting. Uh, you know, Perth was also pretty good, but uh, New South Wales was very ordinary <laughs> and so it was Melbourne. But, you, you know... You're responsible for what you put in your mouth. And uh, uh, I know when I was playing, uh, I was very conscious of my weight. Uh, I always went in a little bit heavier at the beginning of the season uh, because I'd know I'd lose a lot of weight in the first uh, sort of uh, one or two matches. Uh, Max Walker taught me that. Uh, don't get too honed down early on because you won't have anything to lose when you're actually playing. So you're more susceptible to injury. But uh, I know uh, the guys were into the carbohydrates, uh, you know, the pastas and things like that. Uh, Alan Border was into the Big Macs. Yeah. <laughs> there, there was a few that had some very ordinary diets. You... I've come to learn that genetics plays a big role in your life. My father was uh, uh, diabetic and I looked through the family tree and there was diabetes all the way through it. And uh, much of it was undiagnosed uh, in those... Uh, when my father was in his 50s and 60s, and sadly he passed away at 67, and I think it was diabetes-related. Mm. 
Mm. And uh, now I'm 70, going on a 72. Um, my other two brothers uh, and my uncle, we all watch our uh, type 2 diabetes and try and get it under control. And I've, I've learned this much, and this, is, this can be a bit of a help, that if you crave for carbohydrates uh, for the protein that's in them, and, and uh, there's not a lot of protein, I understand, in carbohydrates, but the body wants the protein because you're not giving it enough. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it wants more. It gets more and more carbohydrates looking for the protein. So if you minimise your uh, carbohydrates and, and, and uh, improve your protein, uh, you won't feel as hungry uh, and uh, you'll have uh, better energy over the day and you'll control your weight a lot better and also control your diabetes a lot better. So these days, my diet, um, I've got to think twice about what I put in my mouth. And I just ask myself, is this a treat or am I making a habit of this? Am I living on this? Mm. And um, it's, it's not always that easy to find the food that's suitable uh, under the plan that I have these days. When you say you, you give yourself a treat, Len, does that mean you let yourself have some carbs uh, as a treat? or um... Yes, yes <laughs> as a treat. Yeah, as a treat. Uh, like for instance, if I had breakfast and a cereal, I never used to read the the box, but now I do. Mm. Uh, and I I know rolled oats is good for you. So uh, otherwise, they wouldn't give it to you every meal if you're in hospital, like I was uh, recently. Um, so uh, to me, uh, you know, having type two diabetes, you listen to your doctor uh, and you control your weight and you do uh, moderate size of exercise, but in a consistent way. And importantly, the medications that you're on, read the side effects. And if you feel that you're a symptom of those side, you have symptoms of those side effects, speak to your doctor. Because just because they give you the medicine, it doesn't mean it's the right medicine to you and they can tailor it. They can only go on what you tell them. So there's a little hint for people. Um, When it comes to sort of a a treat, let's say I, I... my wife's uh, in our holiday house and uh, I've got to cook for myself. I prefer to go and eat Thai. Uh, I, I can see them cook it in front of me mm. and there's less fried stuff in, in the Thai. And it's, you know, you, you've got all those mixed vegetables and things like that. Uh, I like rice, but I keep rice to an absolute minimum and I try to go for basmati rice because uh, that's full of carbohydrate. Mm. And then, um, you know, you, you just got to be careful when you go out. Now, I'm, I'll be on the road for three days uh, coaching cricket. So uh, I've got to eat out. So where do I, I – when I go to the hotel or have lunch or dinner, uh, I might have a schnitzel, but I see the salad, I see the mashed potato. I'm summing up in my mind how much of this is carbohydrate and how much should I leave on the table after I've eaten so I don't eat the whole dish. Mm. Uh, so you tend to think that way uh, now that I'm into my 70s. Uh, think what you put in your mouth. Yeah. Hey, Len, you mentioned treats. Have you got a sweet tooth? <laughs> uh, look, my, well, my, it goes back to my mum. I like the apple turnovers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm susceptible to those. And uh, my mate Johnny Dyson's down the road, and I got another fella junkie, and uh, they know when I've fallen off the wagon. <laughs> I, I can't tell a lie. They just look at me. You've been at it, haven't you? 
oh, I just had a little one. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I try to keep it to a minimum, uh, very much to a minimum and as a treat. I, w- I want to reward myself for being good on other things. Yeah. You, you just uh, mentioned before, Len, uh, that you were in hospital just recently. Yes. Uh, well, uh, fortunately, uh, well, look, what happened was I was uh, – I'd, I'd had a really bad flu about four years ago uh, and my immune system was run down. And uh, I, I started to get a bit better and I was working in the backyard with potting mix. And then uh, later on, uh, I was under a red gum eucalypt and I was dropping sap. And um, I was also doing some pressure cleaning of some polycarbonate sheets. So I don't know which one did it, but I... I uh, a spore got past my immune system and I ended up in hospital for six weeks on a drip with cryptococcal meningitis <gasps> gatti. Goodness. And it's a, it's a very rare disease. And so it's a warning to anyone that's in the garden, make sure you wear a mask with potty mixes or if you're under red gum eucalypt, uh, just be, be aware. And if you're pressure cleaning your car or your boat or your patio, make sure you uh, have got a mask on. So I was on a drip for six weeks. Uh, this drip was $7,000 a satchel, oh. and it lasted for uh, uh, 12 hours. And uh, they, they go in under your armpit and directly just below your heart. Too. And it's like a weed killer, and it kills the spores, which uh, latch onto your brain and your lungs and all oh. that sort of thing. And their strength is so strong they keep it going until such time as your kidneys are about to shut down, and then they just back it off a little bit. And uh, so, uh, six weeks uh, in hospital with that. Then, twelve months later, I'm uh, up in Malulaba doing a sports show with Doug Walters and uh, Jeff Thompson. And um, I, I felt uh, at about two o'clock in the morning. I thought I gulped. Uh, a, 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 a cold bottle of water or something and I, I was feeling this big lump just below my throat and I'm trying to burp and I'm trying to uh, wash it down and but what I didn't know was that it was um, a very mild heart attack and then um, I got home and um, uh, I was having difficulty breathing at night now this is a really uh, important thing if, if you're experiencing breathing difficulties on your back uh, at night and you're not asthmatic, it's a sign of uh, heart failure. Mm. And also, if you've got swollen knees or ankles, uh, legs, that's also a sign. And anyway, uh, I went and saw a uh, immunologist uh, who uh, I'd known for some years I played golf with, and he quickly had me to a cardiologist and uh, within a week, uh, I was diagnosed with uh, uh, two complete blockages, uh, one complete blockage and two um, uh, uh, part, uh, full blo- two seventy percent blocked, one fully blocked. Wow. Oh. And uh, I was in getting a uh, a hard bypass. When the doctor opened me up, uh, they saw that I had an enlarged heart on that side. And which, which then distorted the mitral valve, and so uh, they uh, gave me an artificial, uh, gave me a biological valve from a cow. Would you believe? Oh, and, wow. and once I was eight days in casualty, eight days in ICU, 
and I had tubes hanging out everywhere out of me. I'm not joking. Out of the out of the the wee wee, the arms. The wee, I had pacemakers. I looked like bloody Robocop getting bloody service. And the funniest thing is the doctor, uh, there was a doctor facing you, he's an Indian doctor. He poked his head around into the bed, and he says, "It's a basco." He said. Can I have a selfie, please? <laughs> <laughs> and that was about the best medicine I could have got because it made me laugh. Oh, and uh, when I come out, I was in hospital and um, I listened to a lot of the people that were there complaining about the food. But look, a hospital is not a five-star resort. Mm. They, they have to cater for many types of diets and things. And um, uh, you don't take it out on the nurses. You don't take it out on the hospital. Uh, and you and you do the best you can uh, in there as you share a room, or you might have one on your own. But um, I, that's another reason why I am I'm careful about what I put in my mouth. Yeah. Because uh, it's been now three years since that operation, uh, and uh, I've got to thank those doctors, the Indian cardiac surgeon, the Chinese. Uh, a, a cardiologist, the New Zealand uh, um, vascular surgeon, uh, the, uh, the nurses from the Philippines and all different religions, then you realise that when you're in casualty, the person in that bed is not just somebody from me. There's somebody's mother, father, brother, sister, and uh, there's some very dedicated people, and we're very, very lucky in Australia uh, to have some of the best medical uh, people and services uh, in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Lenny, if you were throwing a dinner party, we ask our, our guests if you've got a dinner party, you're throwing it to, at your place, you can invite anyone you like, dead or alive, anybody. Who would you have? Ah, mm. oh, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, uh, look, I, I, I'd like to, uh, mm, I've got to think about this one, but I think, if I if I had a dinner, who would I have? I'd like to have Sir Donald Bradman's son, John. Oh yeah. Um, I'd, I'd like to sit down with John, and uh, and and I'd I'd also like to have his son come along as well, and uh, uh, just to talk about uh, about their lives growing up. Uh, I think it'd be very interesting. Mm. Uh, I'd like to. Uh, there's a there's a friend of mine called Donnie Griffiths, lost him to to pancreatic cancer two years ago. I'd like to have him at my dinner table. I'd like to have a, a fellow called Ricky Organ because I'm in the entertainment game these days, and he did a brilliant Johnny O'Keefe and Jimmy Barnes impersonation. <laughs> we lost the myeloma cancer uh, that, that two years ago. I'd like to ask Max Walker. Uh, we lost him to uh, myeloma cancer uh, about a year or so ago. Uh, and I'd, uh, you know, I'd, those sort of people, the people that I can't speak to again, uh, I'd like to sit down with them again and, and share uh, uh, old time and, and talk about the future and what's happening to the world. And then I think uh, if we're talking about modern day people, um, who would I like? I think probably Jeff Thompson um, is a mate of mine since school days, um, and uh, we've got a weird sense of humour, and he can lighten up a room. So those sort of people, they're the sort of people I'd like to share my 
my di- my table with. They were they were pretty heady days, and I remember I was just a kid. But the days of World Series cricket, I mean, you guys were uh, were superstars. We'd go into Macca's, we'd have to do the two all beef patty special sauce line to get the poster of you guys. Do you look back at, at those days, Len, and just think that that was just you were just having the time of your life? You know, the first ad at McDonald's I did it with Joel Garner. Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, we did it at Caring Bar here. Yeah, and I had to say. Two or three tags, special sauce, other two, pickle punch, you're on a sesame seed bun. <laughs> it took 42 takes. <laughs> <laughs> and you Joel did it in one. Was, all he had to say was, yeah, mate. And he got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and that thing still sticks in my head. For 500 bucks, I'll give him 500 bucks to get it out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness me. The only reason they gave it to me is because Dennis Ali couldn't say it. Oh, God. Do you mind if I just um, mention one more thing, Len? And this is a, a memory from my childhood, and I, I think from what I've read that this impacted you you greatly. Um, Sandeep Patil and, and, and the bouncer, and obviously he hit the deck. He was only wearing a, a, a sun hat, didn't even have a helmet on, how times have changed. But, but that moment um, in your life, can you tell us what happened after that for you? Well, uh, first of all, that helmet, that was... Uh Watson Packer didn't design that. It was myself and Ian Davis. Wow. Yep. Okay. The batting in World Series cricket. And uh, he used to be in the sports game. And he um, he knew a bloke uh, who'd made artificial limbs and helmets and things like that at Ashfield. And the two of us went there. And uh, <clears throat> I, I looked at all the helmets and I put a horse riding helmet on his head. And uh, he said, this feels pretty good. We'll put a mask on the front. And I think we can we can live with this, and that's what it is. It's a wow. horse riding uh, that has been reinforced and adapted to cricket. And uh, we never got a cent for that, by the way. Yeah. So that's, yeah. one, that's one of the things that uh, when people say, what do you think is your greatest achievement? I said, well, the day when an opening batsman and a fast bowler, uh, one trying to knock the other one's head off, um, come up with the horse riding helmet uh, as a protective gear, and now we see it as um, – uh, but you know, there's a story in that in itself. But uh, uh, during my uh, career, uh, there were three players that I hit that uh, uh, could have easily lost their lives. Uh, one fellow, his name was George Griffiths. Mm-hmm. He was a, a, a Shield player from South Australia who came to New South Wales. We were playing at Bankstown Oval and... Uh, I bowled him a bouncer, didn't get up, took a top edge and uh, hit him right between the eyes. And uh, I ran into him many years later and I said, I'm just so so sorry that that happened. And I uh, just, I should have come to see him in hospital. And, and he said to me, would you believe, he said, it's not your fault, it was my fault. What I am angry about or disappointed was my own teammates didn't come to see me. Oh, and wow. that's... A pretty, that had a, a bit of an effect, quite a bit of an effect on me. The uh, next fellow was a fellow called uh, uh, Bailey. And uh, Bailey, uh, they make ladders. You may see them. Well, uh, Glenn Bailey was a very fine batter for Sutherland. And at Bankstown Oval, I hit him uh, just below the throat and he vomited blood. Mm. And I thought, oh, geez, you know, what's going on here? Uh, I'm only play- I'm playing cricket. Yeah. But then as I got older and stronger and after World Series cricket, uh, I could do just about what I wanted to do with the ball 
And when we were at the Sydney Cricket Ground, I watched Sandy Patel batting to Dennis and to Hoggy, and I saw that he had a weakness uh, against the short ball and uh, where it was being pitched and how high it should be. And so I let one go uh, cross seam. The seam dug into the uh, wicket and reared up and hit him on the side of the head, and he went down um, very heavily. Mm. And I thought to myself, well, that's it. I must have killed killed him. And I was very, very upset about it to the point um, afterwards um, I was still upset in the dressing room and Sandy came into the dressing room and apologised for putting his head in the way of my ball, (laughs) which lightened me up a little bit. (laughs) But I I, I didn't have the the heart to do it again and he went on to score 170 the next day. But uh, I did say to Ian Chappell, I think oh, I'm done, mate. I'm done. I was 31 years of age, and I said the game is not worth dying over. And um, um, he talked me out of um, retiring there. And then I played for another year, and then then retired. But uh, it's the side of the game which uh, you know the, the fast bowlers. The he's the big angry man. He's got the devil in him. He's you know he's the one that uh, scares people and. Uh, but at the end of the day, a lot of the fast bowlers uh, that are like that on the field, you get them off the field and they're, they're little pussycats. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you mentioned you turned 72 in uh, on the, what is it, the 13th of February? Yeah, 13th of February, yep. Uh, will there be a big celebration or just a quiet little celebration <laughs> these days? Oh, look, um, I've never been one for big birthday celebrations. Uh Another year, that they seem to be going too quick in my book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but uh, look, at it's, it's 72, I've got no intentions of going anywhere but here. <laughs> and I mean, I'm not ready to go and meet the big fella, the big umpire in the sky. <laughs> but I've got no intentions of going there. Um, and I figure that if I take care of myself, eat, Properly, that that includes uh, you know a, a greater concentration of vegetables and and um, and uh, keeping uh, my protein level at the right uh, level, having lean meat, uh, uh, and uh, try to keep away from all those sugary, uh, overcooked uh, type processed foods. So if I take care of my diet, and then I have Reasonable exercise. Uh, I mean, you know, what what's a 40, 50 minute walk do that four or five times a day? It's nothing. Mm-hmm. You get a chance to meet people, talk to people, see what people are doing around the street, and then ha- have my mental health. That is so important as well that uh, you want to feel like you're still a part of society and you're still contributing. Now, um, uh, when I uh, when I started my business. Uh, Len Pasco Sports Entertainment uh, I tied in a few comedians and some sports speakers I ended up with 72 speakers and entertainers <laughs> up being an MD for an Elvis Presley act <laughs> I've got a Blues Brothers act a Johnny, a, Johnny, uh, a Johnny Cash Roy Orbison I've got fishing shows going <laughs> and you know what along the way I, I, I learnt computer I learnt desktop publishing I learnt uh, video editing, I learned sound engineering, 
I, you know, I, and to go along with that, all the things that my father taught me about bricklaying and carpentry, uh, paving, you know, like at 72, I'm a sponge to keep learning. Yeah. And I think that's a very key point for a lot of people as they enter, uh, as they rehabilitate from uh, uh, illnesses, because we're, picked, we're used to die from them. These days, the doctors are picking them up. So, so that's my three-legged stool. Uh, and we say in cricket, in sport, uh, desire, determination, and discipline. When one of those legs falls on the stool, it's time to give it away. Well, it's much the same as life. You've got a three-legged stool. It's a stool. It's uh, your diet. It's your mental health, and it's your physical health. And if you don't take care of those, your stool will collapse. And uh, you need to constantly work at it. Lenny, it's been an absolute treat catching up with you, mate. Mm. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, good health and happiness to you for the future, mate. And thanks for talking to us here on Thank Food Bites. Thank you. All the best. You are listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier, brought to you by Cheese Links, bringing cheese and yogurt making to your kitchen. Cheeselinks.com.au. There you go, Lenny uh... Pasco. Now, didn't we Good pose some hard-hitting questions? Or didn't I? Didn't I sound knowledgeable? That's because I am. Well, in in this particular mm-hmm. sport, <laughs> I think I think I have a, a bit of an idea because I just used to hang on every over. Yep. World Series cricket was well, it was a wonderful thing for the game, a wonderful thing for the players, and an incredibly wonderful yeah. thing for us to watch. Yeah, I think there's some great advice too there for people, especially those who might have uh, type two diabetes, yeah. those who have heart issues. Just some good, simple advice on on how to to stay well as as we get older. Yep, good on you, Len. Thanks for being Thank on the program. You. Really appreciate. It. Runs a uh, a sports and entertainment uh, business uh, mm. and does. Uh, if you if you're in the area where he's doing talks, he has Dougie Walters and Jeff Thompson as his kind of sidekicks when they go out the road, so I reckon that it Well, and the day so. that we spoke to, to Lenny was on his way to uh, Dubbo to do some uh, cricket coaching. Cricket coaching with kids, so he's still giving back to the game even today. Mm. Right. Right. Friday, food poll. Oh, look, fruitcake. Fruitcake. I am not. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> and do you like nuts in your fruitcake? No, we just thought we'd put it out there, fruitcake, whether you like it or not. Mm. And did we There's get some interesting comments? Say. Like, let's start with Jan. Jan says, yes. It can be a healthy cake. Remember when eating all the sugar in the dried fruit. Mm. Yeah. I look forward yeah. to this as a treat for Christmas. Of course, I expect it at weddings and when younger would sleep on a piece. Oh, yeah. I'm not quite sure I understand any of that, but you can't do that with a profiterole. You put it under your pillow. Usually it's wedding cake. And I think, yeah, well, I think that, yeah, the custom was that you would find a husband by doing that. Is that right? I think. I never, your, I never did it and I found one. Under your pillow? Yeah. Murph Hughes says a big yes. Uh, and to that, uh, Slad says, great, now I'm homesick. Darren Purchase. Defo. Old Crokey oh, says, I love old whoever it was who said, don't give fruitcake to friends, was just a selfish <laughs> so-and-so, a guts who wanted it all for <laughs> themselves. Fruitcake is delicious and should be shared and enjoyed with friends. True. Daniel Harford, hook it to my veins. Smiling face with heart-shaped James eyes. James Royce says, yeah, lightly buttered, please. Oh, gee, I don't know if you'd need the oh, butter, yes, do you, yeah, James? You do. No, you oh, do. I don't think so. Oh, yes, you do. I disagree. Yeah. Avril Ford says, yes, my mum always made different fruit cakes at Christmas. Pineapple version for me. I now make it and even my young nephews like it. How 
pineapple creeps into every Friday food pie. It pot, does. Uh, and Peacock says, not bad, but without those artificial, those fat little yeah. artificial cherries, I'm Glass with you. Glacé, glacé cherries. With yeah. Gray says, yeah, someone else who doesn't like glacé cherries. My preference of a fruit cake or Christmas cake in brackets is a dark cake. That uh, theme will come up uh, yeah. throughout. And uh, Trixie then adds, and buttered. Oh, another buttered. Mm. Annie says, indeed, just pass me a piece, please. Lukewarm Lukey just says, yum, but I like his name. Jane Barnes, yeah, sure, with a cup of tea with mum and dad. That sounds lovely. Lauren says, my aunt's homemade one, yes. Any others, no, as they can have the consistency <laughs> of a cinder block if not done right. Yeah, that's true. Sue Landry, yes, as long as it has no peel in it. You know that citrus peel? Oh, yeah. That and the funny cherries. No, <laughs> see, you put me off it. Uh, uh, Kathy Vicious says, yay, a light fruitcake though, not a very heavy one. There you go, a light one as opposed to a dark one. Yep. Lee Harrison, dark fruit cake. There you go. Yes, doubles as a pudding. Heat it in the microwave. Add cream or ice cream or custard. Oh, good thinking, 99. So you know what? Custard's the uh, kind of uh, dairy equivalent of bacon. It fixes <laughs> yeah, it can everything. Add it to anything, it yeah. fixes yes. everything. Julie says, yes, I can still make a boiled fruit one often. Gizzy Bell, absolutely. Moist with a cuppa. CWA strewed. <laughs> Brewed strength to finish the day. Sorry, a lot of people don't like the word moist. Uh, Silvana says, yes, I love fruit cake. Craig says, the more important question is, does Aldi have a year-round version of its Christmas pudding? Sensational. Yay, by the way, for the poll question. Okay. Sue says, no, not a big dried fruit fan. Terry Daniel, two double D, yes, please, with plenty of cherries. Cherries. Kerry Rodder says, yes, yes, yay, yum. Oh, Definite. Andrew Roberts says, definitely yes, but it must be dark. Karen says, yay. Stephen says, oh, yes, and I'm going to do this one too so you can go smoothly into Wayne. Uh, Rebecca says, hard pass on that one. Mira Cooper says, oh, oh yay. Actually, I got that wrong. I lost go count. And Natalie says, big nay, big in capital letters. And Wayne writes. Yes. Wayne writes, I'll be honest here <laughs> and say I'm rather ambivalent towards this particular culinary repast. Ooh. Where? <laughs> Maybe I should change the voice for that. A good fruit cake. No. No, a good fruit cake can be a moist and cakey oh. delight, packed with fruity flavour bombs and the wonderful jewels of the glazed cherries. Oh, fruity flavour bombs. Uh, a bad fruit cake, of course, is as dense as Boris Johnson's definition <laughs> of a party and drier than Oscar Wilde's wit. <laughs> All they're good for is being shot out of a middle-aged era catapult to disseminate uh, disseminate en- enemy forces. Yes, decimate. And I actually changed the word there and buggered up the one after it. <laughs> um, never mind, Wayne knows what I'm talking about. One thing that does bother me about the fruitcake, though, is the time it lasts. Mm. If you don't like fruitcake and receive one as a gift, just mm. re-gift it next Christmas. <laughs> the damn thing lasts longer than The Simpsons. because ah, it's so moist. In fact, I'm convinced that after the nuclear apocalypse, the cockroaches and fruitcakes <laughs> will be the only survivors. I'm with you. Uh, but I digress. I, I will give a tentative yay simply because my mum adores fruitcake yeah. and goes all Scooby Snack over it <laughs> and I would rather face Mike Tyson in his prime in bare knuckles, in a bare knuckles brawl <laughs> and face up to my five foot three mother uh, when she's displeased with me. <laughs> so that's why Wayne gives it a yay. And it is yay uh, wins that uh, that poll. You're a wise man, Wayne. By a bit, by a fair bit, yay. Everyone's yeah. into it. It's the kind of thing where if, it, if it's in front of me uh, and they, I tell you where it used to, I used to eat a lot of it. 
at uh, afternoon teas at cricket. When you, oh, is that when right? You, when yeah. you go and play and you yeah. come off at, uh, for the tea break, every uh, – must have been cheap to buy and then they just yeah, chop them chop up. chop them up. And you – yeah, oh. I'm not a fan. Food cake. I, um, I can't do uh, sultanas or currants. They remind me of rabbit poo. Not okay. that I've ever eaten rabbit poo. I was going to say <laughs> – it needed a bit of a disclaimer there, didn't it? And I wouldn't be one for the cherries either. No, the cherries, the cherry, they're hard. As any people mm. pointed out, that the, the hard ones, and you get you bite well, it. They've got a funny texture to them, almost yeah, like a plasticky like texture. Yes, they have. Yes. They have like an edible plastic. Yep. Yeah, no, not good. But yay <laughs> wins the day with our food poll. There'll be a new one up uh, this coming week, so make sure you have a look at that. Mm. Uh, thanks once again to Len Pascoe for being on our program. Thank we, you, Lenny. We appreciate. Thank you, Lenny. <laughs> uh, and we will be back again soon uh, with Food Bites. Thanks to our very good friends, of course, at Cheese Links. That's cheeselinks.com.au. Give Janet <laughs> a call on 52821984. You want to make cheese? That's how you do it, cheeselinks.com.au. Pleasure again, Kevin, to be in your company. Bye-bye. I was a very good fast bowler. <laughs> Not as cute as Glenn Pascoe, though, apparently. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page and Twitter for recipes, tips and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Brought to you by Cheese Links. Bringing cheese and yoghurt making to your kitchen. All you need to know at cheeselinks.com.au.